Welcome to the Hope Church Port St. Lucie Sermon of the Week. We pray you enjoy this message by Pastor Justin Gaston. For more information about Hope Church and other resources, please visit IamHope.Church. The title of my message is called The Curse Breaker. The Curse Breaker. Tell your neighbor you are the curse breaker. You can tell them a little louder than that. Say, you are the curse breaker. All right, all right. Let's do this thing. You ready? So last week, we talked about uh, David and, and how, you know, David had issues, but he was still called by God. And then we talked about how you can have issues, but still be anointed. Anybody got issues in here? Anybody got attitude problems this morning? Anybody hate waking up early this morning? Anybody hate people be late for you? Anybody got issues? Now, okay, we got some angels from heaven in here. What time y'all got to be back? I want to make sure. I get y'all back to heaven in time. <laughs> but it's, it's possible, man, to be anointed and still have issues. It's possible to be in leadership and have issues. And, 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 and last week we talked about how Hope Church is a place where you can have issues but still know that Jesus Christ loves you. Amen? Anybody thankful that God loves you past your issues? Because if he stopped at your issues, you would not be here today. Come on, put your hands together if you're thankful that God loves you in spite of how crazy you are sometimes. I know that's how I feel the same way. But get, watch this, watch this, watch this. You may not clap this time. Just because you have issues don't mean you're supposed to keep them your whole life. But this is just the way I am. Well, you ain't read your Bible. Because he says, be ye transformed in bold letters. Complaining is to Satan what praise is to God. Because with your mouth, you're either magnifying the devil or God. There is no in-between. And so when you complain, you're just magnifying the enemy and making God smaller in your situation. So they begin to complain in the wilderness. Because I realized that some people would rather the certainty of bondage versus the uncertainty of freedom. It's like, it's like when you've been in prison your whole life. Maybe you say five, five, well, ten years, and you get out and you don't know how to act. Because you knew in bondage, you were going to eat at 6 o'clock, you were going to work out at a certain time, you were going to go to bed at a certain time. You were in bondage, but it was familiar. You were sure about how your day was going to go. But the moment you became free, you forgot how to function in freedom. And so now you have guys that get out of prison, get right back in prison because they, they can't handle the freedom they just have. That's, and I was riding home last night, and I realized that's why God gave us holiness even though we have grace. Write this down, write this down, Valley. Write this down. This is good right here. It blessed me. I don't care what y'all think about it. I'm going to say it anyway. You ready? Holiness gives grace structure. Woo, that's so good. I said holiness gives grace structure because grace is liberation, is freedom. But God says that I don't want you to just get free and go crazy. So I'm going to give you some structure called holiness. I'm going to give you a standard to live by even though you're inside of freedom. It's like, it's like driving your car without traffic lights or stop signs. You got the freedom to drive, but there is no structure. So God says that, hey, I'm going to give you grace, but with grace, I'm going to give you holiness also. Anybody thank God for grace this morning? But anybody also thank God for holiness this morning? That even though that you're free, you ain't going to lose your mind being free. So God says, hey, you got grace, you got holiness. At some point... We have to stop making excuses for our issues. At some point, we got to be able to grow up and say, hey, you know what? 
I've dealt with this way too long. John 5, chapter 5. John 5, chapter 5. Go to it for me. When you got it, say, I got it. If you got it, say, I got it. I'm going to start reading. We have some technical difficulties on the screens this morning. So I'm going to read it for you. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to the man, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another one steps before me. Jesus asked the man, do you want to be made well? Well, he gives a bunch of excuses. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I'll be trying to get up there, but somebody always slide in front of me. Excuses. Kind of like when God says, do you want to be made well? And we give God excuses. Well, you know, I, you know, God, my bank account says this, but God says that I'm greater than that. Well, you know, God, the doctor says this. God says that I'm greater than that. Well, you know, my, my ex said this about me. God says I'm greater than that. Anybody realize this morning that God is greater than any situation that could ever come before you? He asked the man, hey, you don't realize who you're talking to right now. You don't have to give me excuses about your condition." Jesus says, I didn't come here for your excuses. I came here on the assignment to heal you. So he asked the man, do you want to be made well? He gives God these excuses. The man for 38 years has this infirmity. The word infirmity, write this down, means a moral weakness or physical weakness. And any time infirmity is mentioned in the Bible, it's always connected to some kind of sin that he's done. He is the way he is because some kind of sin in the past. If you don't believe me, read verse 14. Jesus tells the man, he says, go and sin no more. And so the reason why he's in his infirmity because he's sinned at some point in his life. Jesus shows up the 38th year. That's so important. The 38th year of his infirmity, which means that he didn't allow the man to go into 40 years of infirmity. I'm going to teach a little bit because 40 years represents a new generation and judgment. Write that down. 40 years represents a new generation in judgment. 40 years, new generation in judgment. So what Jesus did, let's put this together. Jesus did not want the man to pass his infirmity into the next generation. So he stopped them at 38 years. He showed up just in time. Has God ever showed up just in time in your life, Hope Church? When you were about to put the gun to your head, but God showed up just in time when you were about to take all the pills in the bottle but God showed up just in time when when you were about to be out on the street but God showed up it's it's real quiet for a a church full of people who who, who don't realize how how many times in your life that you don't even realize God showed up just in time not just on time he showed up just in time he stepped right into your situation he showed up on the 38th year He stopped it from going into the 40th year because 40 means judgment in a new generation. So he shows up the 38th year to keep the new generation from being judged by the sin of the Father. (laughs) It's so good, man. We don't realize how much of what we do affects our children. Numbers 14. I got the word for y'all this morning, so you can go home and study. Numbers 14, verse 18. I want you to look at this. It says, 
The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father on the children to the third and fourth generation. So what he's saying is that you don't realize how your sin affects your children, children, children's. He by no means forgets the iniquity visiting the father, the children for the third to fourth generation. So this man's sin had the, poss had the, the possibility of impacting his children, children's, children's. I want to look at David one more time this Sunday. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, just kind of summarize it for you. I want you to show, I want, I want to paint the picture of how one sin can open up a door for generational curses that last for almost forever inside of a family. Chapter 11, David was up on his rooftop and he saw this woman named Bathsheba. Said that she looked good. Say, man, who is that over there? That's your boy. He said, go get her. So the dude was like, hey, my homeboy want to talk to you. His name is David. He want to holler at you. <laughs> so, so he goes, gets this woman named Bathsheba. He sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. But watch this, Bathsheba is his almost barrel's wife. She becomes pregnant. When David finds out she becomes pregnant, you guys remember that old Usher song, Confessions? When he was on the phone, I was like, hello, quit playing. She was like, David, I'm pregnant. She was like, quit playing. <laughs> so he says, hey, go get Uriah, her husband. David just slept with his armor bearer's wife. And this is in the Bible. This ain't no made-up story. That's why I don't get people expect church to be this cute, lovely place. There's some issues inside the church. If anybody leave a church because you wanted everything to be perfect, you hadn't read your Bible. He sleeps with his armor bearer's wife, puts his armor bearer in, on the front line, kills his armor bearer to cover up his sin. Inside the Bible. <laughs> and you want everybody to just love each other in butterflies and flowers and stuff in church all the time. You ain't read your Bibles. So, he, so David tries to cover up. Now, now I want to point something out. Bathsheba had no other choice but to go to David because he was a king. And back in that day, when the king sent for you, you have no other choice but to come. And so what David does is that he manipulates his authority to get something that's not, that doesn't belong to him. He takes his God-given authority and uses it to manipulate this woman, which is what the Bible calls witchcraft. And I believe we got to get these witches out the pulpit in our church today. God has not given us authority to misuse people. God has not given us authority to treat people any kind of way. David takes his God's given authority, manipulated, which is witchcraft, and forces this woman to have a, a child with him. But here's the thing. The child that David had with this woman eventually died because anything you get out of manipulation will not live. <laughs> Anything you have to manipulate to get will not live. I want to talk to everybody who want to play the side chick role. Think you can, you can manipulate her husband. And, 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 and you think you won something just because you got him now. But anything you manipulate will not live. Because if he did it with you, if he did it with her, what you think he going to do with you? 
<laughs> Anything you manipulate will not live. Anything leaders feel like they can manipulate to get will not live inside the church. We're wondering why we haven't birthed the next revival because we've been using God's anointing as witchcraft. Trying to get things that don't belong to us and use them to make ourselves look greater. David killed his armor bearers because he wanted to sleep with his armor bearer's wife. Nobody knew how Uriah died, but David is still king. I wonder how many people are still in a leadership position and you, don't, you have no idea who they've sacrificed under them to get there. You have no idea who they're stepping on right now just to get, you have no idea what's happening behind the curtain. You see what's happening in front of the curtain, but sometimes you have no idea what's happening behind the curtain. I feel something, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna get in trouble. But people would always judge somebody that sees behind the curtain and he makes a decision in front of the curtain and they judge him for the decision that he made but the person that made the decision knows what's going on behind the curtain and they get mad at you let me get up out of that suit right now y'all ain't ready for that Campbell's y'all ain't ready for that Campbell's but, 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 but look at how this, this one sins affect David's entire family 2 Samuel chapter 12 prophet Nathan comes. I got scriptures everywhere. Get those screens fixed today. Verse 10 says, now therefore the, the sword shall never depart from your house, David, because he did what he did. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. What you did in private, God says, I'm going to do it in public so you can see. <laughs> For you did it secretly. This is the Bible. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. So David said, Nathan, said, said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. That's important right there. He says, David, God got you. You shall not die. Your sins are going to watch 14. However, because this deed you have given great occasion to the enemy of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. So, David, you're not going to die, but your child's going to die. <laughs> your sin is not going to have that much of an effect on you but the generation behind you is going to have to suffer for what you did Ooh, you, thought, you thought that pornography addiction was just something you did with yourself but you don't realize how that's affecting your son and your son's children and your son's children children David your sins have been forgiven but what's coming behind you your child is going to die David opens his door for generational curses to begin inside of his family. If you read all of 2 Samuel, you see how crazy David's family was. He had a son named Amnon who slept with his half-sister Tamar. And he had a son named Absalom who was mad at Amnon for sleeping with his sister. So Absalom killed Amnon. <laughs> 
Sound like Empire, don't it? Sound like Lucius in here, man. They click it. And all these folks. I was like, what, is this Empire? What is, is that Lucius? <laughs> Crazy. Crazy stuff, man. Absalom tries to take David's throne. He sleeps with 10 of David's concubines in public. He's sleeping with his daddy women out in public. David sends his men into battle. David men kill David's son Absalom. All this stuff from one decision that David made. One decision, generational curses, opens the door for him. And they become stronger and stronger as the yield progresses. And I can tell you why Matthew chapter 12. We're going to be a smart church, boy. We're going we're gonna to be some theologians in here, boy. Verse 12, uh, Matthew 12, verse 43. They get stronger and stronger. I'm going to tell you why right here. Verse 43 says, it says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places, seeking rest and finds none. It tells me when the, the devil leaves, he's looking for dry people. People that ain't got no life inside of them. People that ain't never happy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. He leaves and goes to dry places, seeking rest and, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Somebody say empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And, they, and, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. So he's not talking about just a house. He's not talking about a person. Because watch this. Let's finish the sentence. He says, the last state is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. So he's talking about generations. That when one spirit leaves this generation, it goes seeking dry places. A resting place. But then it comes back and finds the house empty, swell, and put in order. And so the, the process of that spirit leaving and the house being empty, swept, and put in order is a process of salvation. Because when we give our lives to Jesus, we are put back in the righteous perspective with God. But here's, here's, here's the thing. There's one generation that has understood salvation. But we haven't taught the generation behind us how to, to fill the house with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm finna preach a little bit. And so Jesus says, hey, one generation got the salvation thing, and they've taught their children salvation, but understand that when you get salvation, that spirit leaves for a season. But when it comes back and find out you haven't filled your house with the Holy Spirit, it comes back seven times stronger. And we wonder why this generation is the way it is. Could it be that they only understand salvation and not the Holy Spirit? Could it be that church has made the Holy Spirit this crazy, this, this, this crazy scary thing that we put on social media of folks dancing and bucking and now they think it's not cool. But hey, guess what generation? You need the Holy Spirit inside of your life in order to war against some things you can't see. He says, hey, 
One generation understands salvation, that salvation goes out. I mean, that spirit goes out. But it comes back seven times stronger when the house is not filled with the Holy Spirit. So that spirit of lust, that spirit of alcoholism may leave for a season. But one thing I've learned that the enemy will wait you out. <laughs> when you think you've been delivered, really he's just been quiet until your child has been born. And what you struggle with has now been passed down generationally. Wait you out sometimes. He'll always wait until you get right here when it comes to promotion. And the moment promotion is about to happen inside your life, something hits, attacks left and right. The enemy knows how to wait you out sometimes. He says that that spirit leaves, but it comes back seven times stronger. What have we passed down to the generation behind us? What have we really taught them about the Holy Spirit? Because America is heading to a place where if we don't understand the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal-minded. We, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What we see on CNN is not flesh and blood. It's a spiritual warfare that's going on. How, now, how would it be makes sense for me as a parent to not teach my children how to war at a level they can't see? The tools that they really need to fight with, which is the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11 verse 1, I'm almost done, says that, says that Jesus is the seed of Jesse, the root of David. He's the seed of Jesse. This generational cycle that has, has really started from when Jesse, not Jesse, Jesse rejected David. Now David is struggling with the spirit of rejection. And now, when he's still struggling with his spirit, he goes and sleeps with Bathsheba. And now Bathsheba has a child that dies. And now David gives birth to sons that really don't like him. They try to kill him. Didn't even mention Solomon with his woman addiction. He had 3,000 women. How? I don't know. Come on, man. I got one. I'm still trying. 3,000 women. But you see, the cycle, generationally. So I asked God, why did... The Bible mentioned Jesus as the seed of Jesse. If you read Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, which probably none of y'all will ever read because it's this person begot this person and this person begot this person and this person begot. That's fast for it. And Jesus was born. That's where, that's where I want to be. But this cycle continues. And I asked God, I said, why did you mention that Jesus was the seed of Jesse? I just need your mature minds right here because God is in everything. God says that every month a woman has a cycle. But the only thing that breaks that cycle is the seed. Ooh, y'all missed that. This side of here, I'm going to try it. I said, God, why is Jesus the seed of Jesse? He said, because there is a cycle that has been happening for years. In your family, this cycle in your finances, this cycle when it comes to depression, this cycle when it comes to divorce. So the only thing that will break the cycle is the seed. <laughs> there was a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years and until she touched the seed. And what was used to be a cycle was, was broken when Jesus stepped onto the scene. And so what I'm preaching this morning is that whatever generational cycle 
that may be inside your family. The seed of Jesse is here this morning to break it, to break that curse. Jesus Christ is the cycle breaker. The financial issue you've been having generationally, God says, I'm here to break it this morning. That divorce that you've been experiencing years after years, your mama got a divorce, your auntie got a divorce. God says, I'm here to break the cycle this morning. That alcoholism, that lust, that perversion, God says, I'm here to break the cycle this morning because it can't pass into the next generation. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. What generational curses need to be broken off your family? This is a family altar call this morning because there are some things trying to torment this next generation that we can't allow to happen. There are some cycles that need to end today in our families. There are some cycles of cancer in our families that need to end today. Diabetes, breast cancer, all this stuff, these, these generational cycles have to stop and will stop today. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that Jesus Christ is here to break the cycle? Come on, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Let's just worship a little bit. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that you are blessed by God's word. To find out more information about Hope Church or to financially partner with us to continue sharing the gospel, please visit I am Hope. That church.